Thumbs up. Alright. Good. Okay. So did you get my email with the I did, thank you. Okay. Very yeah. helpful. Yeah, sir, that was kind of last minute, but yeah, we kind of rely on just the flow of the conversation. No problem. But yeah, how are you? How have you been? I've been been good. Been good. Trying to to manage the changing seasons and preparing for colder weather here in New York, but you know, all good. <laughs> How about yourself? Uh, not too bad. Um, same as well. I, I recently moved to the West Coast. Um, I'm, I'm from Indiana. I think last time we spoke, I was in Indiana. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just moved to Portland, Oregon. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's been, nice. a, it's been an interesting past couple of weeks just trying to get you to the new environment and the people and the city and all that. But it's been it's Cool. Been, it's been Never been to Portland. It's on my bucket list. Oh yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's a nice place. A lot of um, sightseeing spots. I mean, if you're a big fan of nature, then you like it. A lot of waterfalls, mountains, hiking spots. But the, the one downside is it, it rains a lot. It rains a lot. Mm. Of, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it's not too bad. But uh, but not to take too much of your time, Liz. Um, I, I guess I'll just give you a brief overview of what we want to do, and we'll just get right into it um so this is this is a podcast that me and my partner had also launched um, at the start of the year and the whole goal is to kind of educate the folks in diaspora so the africans in diaspora about um businesses and african investors who are focused on, on the african continent to try to educate the diasporans on the opportunities that are out there to kind of demystify some of the things that they already have in mind about the african continent all with the main goal of galvanizing the dance brands to, to, to invest in the, uh, to invest in African startups. So Mary's why I brought you on here today because you have a you definitely have a different perspective being an, an American, uh, born and raised in the US, who took that lead to, to launch a company um, on the African continent. So that's why I wanted to really share your story because it's definitely something that people want to uh, hear about. Um, Thank you. I hope so. But before I kick things off, uh, I, just, I, just, I, I know you haven't met Liz yet, so do, do you just want to quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Um, so nice to finally meet you, Liz. Um, I know Dapot mentioned, I think a month ago, he, he reached out to you just, I guess, to like bounce around and introduce us. And I guess you were very receptive to that. So really appreciate that. I know, I think you guys had an initial call before. Mm-hmm. And now we're on the second call where you actually want to do a full-on interview with us. So that's pretty great. Um, I read a little bit about your story as well. And I think it definitely fits with what we're trying to do um, for the podcast and just um, just us personally as well. I think that is going really be an interesting conversation. Um, I school in the U.S. then moved back to Nigeria. So I kind of have that perspective of both terrains as well. So I think it's a good... Um, yeah, looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great conversation in general. Thank you. Alrighty. Okay, so we'll just go, on, go ahead and officially kick this off. Um, so yeah, so once again, this is another episode of Squad Academy. And today we have Liz Grossman with us here today. Liz is an entrepreneur who works with world leaders, nonprofits, companies, academic institutions, 
or the goal of just creating inclusive inclusive programs that develop successful brands. But most importantly, she is the CEO and founder of Barbab Consulting. Um, Liz, thank you for being here with us today. Uh, do you mind just talking or sharing what Barbab Consulting is all about? Sure. Um, first of all, thank you for having me. It's really exciting to be here. Um, I will correct you that I am co-founder um, of Baobab Consulting. So I did uh, co-found this company uh, with my partner, Taib Fall, um, in Senegal in 2016. Um, you know, Baobab Consulting, we believe in Africa's future, and we want to bring innovative, relevant global solutions to contribute to its exponential growth. So, you know, our vision is a world where, where Africa's narrative reflects its true potential, and global partners work alongside Africans to change the status quo. And then in terms of our mission, you know, we want to be the leading impact-driven consulting company. Um, and we want to do this by creating solutions, delivering services, and curating experiences to amplify African voices and facilitate equitable partnerships. That's really what we're all about. Um, what started five years ago as an idea, um, you know, uh, an African and an American to join forces to build bridges has now turned into one of the leading um, Africa-focused social impact firms. Um, we principally uh, conduct, you know, research and advisory for global companies who want to penetrate African markets, um, as well as African companies, foundations, leaders who want to get more global exposure. Um, we also offer, you know, our communications and PR services, which are a big part of, you know, our, our activities and how we make money. Um, and we also have intercultural programs as well, which before the pandemic was uh, trips to Senegal. Um, so we would have um, both academic and professional trips, which um, we're not just about bringing Americans to Africa and having them leave, but really about um, including African voices, including African participants as part of the program, not as kind of extra, um, but as participants and really focusing on the building relationships with people um, and with the places that they go. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's us in a nutshell. I think we're also, one thing to note is that we are a remote first company. Um, even though we were founded in Senegal um, when Taib and I were in the same country, we were in two different cities. So we have built this company um, using you know Google and WhatsApp and all of the technology work workplace technology, um, even before we all had to. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I guess it's safe to say you, you kind of saw the future there before it happened. <laughs> I, I I guess, I don't know. I think it's just the, the well, um, Taib is a Googler. Um, he was a former Googler uh, in Senegal. And um, my background is in communications and um, a lot of my research academically focused on internet and how to use the internet for something other than fun and games. So I think it just was the, the, the perfect storm of all of our experiences coming together into Baobab Consulting. That's great. And thank you very much for that detailed overview of what Barbab Consulting is all about. And I know we'll still get a chance to, to talk about some of the services you provide to businesses and startups. 
But do you mind just walking us back? You mentioned this, Baba Consulting was launched in 2016 in Senegal. Um, but I'm really curious to know, how did you end up in Senegal? What really took you as, a, as an American to go to Senegal and eventually launch a company with someone in Senegal? Okay, cool. Well, I never, you know, I didn't like have that in my plan. <laughs> like that was never, that was never what I thought I would end up doing. Um, but now that I'm doing it, it makes a lot of sense as to why I'm, why, what has led me here. So first, what brought me to Africa was study abroad. Um, I was learning French. I loved the French language. I had to go study abroad for one of my uh, degrees. Um, the international studies degree required that at Northwestern. And um, I chose between a few French African countries countries and ended up in Cameroon. And that uh, experience, the host family that I lived in, the people I met really changed my life um, and ended up inspiring me to get some funds through my university to go back the following summer to do some research on um, email use communications and international development um, before my senior year of college. And um, during that senior year, I came back and I said, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know, you know, what skills I have. I'm just, you know, a senior in college, uh, but I want to move to Africa. So I applied to everything under the sun and um, was super lucky to have a job offer teaching English at an international baccalaureate school in Senegal. So with very limited information on the school at that point, you know, that was in 2009. So, you know, our technology was not as uh, robust as it was, um, but I spoke to a few people who had, who had taught there and I decided to take the leap and move. And what was supposed to be two years in the classroom ended up as three. Um, and then I took kind of those learnings and that experience um, to my master's program in international education policy at Harvard. And from there was introduced to uh, social entrepreneurship as a concept. I took a class at the Harvard Innovation Lab on social entrepreneurship. So I started developing another kind of business idea. I also hosted the Africa Development Conference that year and we were able to bring the president of Senegal as our keynote. So that uh, meeting all of these different government stakeholders having this idea, um, which was called Cybrary. So I wanted to teach young people how to use the internet for something other than fun and games again. And I moved back to Senegal. I crowdfunded, made a little bit of money, enough to get me a flight and three months rent. And I went back to Dakar um, as an entrepreneur to start up my, my venture. And it was in that time where I was uh, invited to speak at Google, um, on how to use Google Books and Scholar for students. And that's where I met my current co-founder, Taib. Um, and then also took a job at a nonprofit, which shaped a whole lot of other ideas that I have about the nonprofit sector and business and kind of traditional development and how that model needs to be disrupted and how business and development need to come together. So in a nutshell, um, yeah, we could talk long, long more time about that, but that's how I ended up in Africa. And that's how I sort of ended up on this path to entrepreneurship um, and really trying to use entrepreneurship to make the changes that I wanted to see um, in the world. Oh, wow. Well, that's that's a journey. That's a real journey. Um, yes, it is. So I'm pretty much <laughs> interested in 
that there's one pivotal switch, right, from initial interest in Africa through an educational program, then a revisit to Africa again, then formalizing that visit by doing something maybe in the education sector in Africa. Then you had the switch right after your master's program where you are looking into social entrepreneurship. So how was that? Um, how was your finding working in, I think it was Tostan, I believe, yeah. um, in the social in the social entrepreneurship aspects of that. How did you find so, that? So what was really interesting for me at Tostan was I started as an internal communications officer for Tostan International. And that was okay. an amazing way to get started in an organization like that, you know, it's like 800 employees um, ranging from, you know, the few who are based in DC uh, fundraising to like village level facilitators in six different countries um, in West Africa. So my job there was to learn everything about everybody and figure out how to communicate and celebrate that across the organization. So I loved that. Um, but then um, there was another project going on called the Toastown Training Center. And um, through a grant investment of, I believe, a half a million dollars, Toastown was able to construct um, a beautiful site, uh, space, conference center with um, hospitality services, conference, uh, you know, rooms um, and things of that nature. And then the goal was to turn it into a business. Um, so it was yeah. a grant funded, you know, social enterprise venture. And that business had been running for about 10 years, but it had been very much a rental um, service of like serving the local communities in chess and local organizations. So my yeah. job was to come in and put together uh, training packages um, that would bring global clientele to Tostan to learn about Tostan's development model and then bring it back to their communities. So what was really cool about that was I was able to help to write the social enterprise plan for the Tostan Training Center, um, develop the marketing strategy, um, source participants. Um, most of them were paid, but some of them were scholarships. So I got to really like help Tostan build the framework for this, you know, a, a diverse revenue stream where they had been used yeah. to, you know, individual gifts and grants and the like. So that really shaped me um, in many ways. And I think that all businesses, um, you know, all development projects can be viewed as a business and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Like it's really important to find that sweet spot in the middle. I, I make it sustainable, right? Yeah, exactly. Wow, impressive. So Liz, I guess let's just fast forward a little bit, right? So you, so you move back to Senegal, right? You craft one, then you move back to Senegal. Um, you get that initial kick. Your, I mean, blood's pumping. You get that initial kick. You meet Tayyid. You launch Baba Consulting, and that's a company. Um, what were some of the issues that you faced um, during the early days of Baba, and how did you get past them? Because we, we know the African continent has its unique set of issues, right? But and I'm sure that would some of the, some of those things might have been a shock to you. But how did you navigate those issues in the early days? I feel like the U.S. has its unique set of issues too. So, <laughs> uh, like, I, I feel I feel like that was honestly a, a lot of the the biggest challenges that that we faced is trying to get. U.S. stakeholders to understand that Africa is a business opportunity and not just a charity case. Mm -hmm. Like why, you know, why should they be investing, 
you know, why should they be paying us to help them do a better job with their work on the continent when they already think they know what they're doing or they just don't really, they don't, they don't care that much to do it well. They just need to check a box for whatever the purpose is. Exactly. So in terms of, so, so I moved, we, we co-founded the company in March, 2016, and then I moved to New York city in September of 2016. So I think, you know, in the early days of Baobab, it was like, not only was I like starting a company, you know, that was going to be connecting us, us and Africa, but I was also moving to New York City, a place that I was unfamiliar with. So I had to like get my bearings and like learn how to be an entrepreneur in a city like this, um, find a community, even though there were very few, you know, I, it took me a while to find the other like Africa focused people who could understand the types of things that I was, you know, I was working on. That was one. Um, I also think, you know, on the business side of things, like starting a consulting business, we definitely faced um, challenges with, you know, the business development procedures and, you know, writing proposals and pricing ourselves and like figuring out our customer segments and like how to pitch to the right people. So there was like that nuts and bolts of like running a consulting business that I still think we, you know, we all, that's a constant, um, a constant challenge as you grow, like it will never just be, there's no one answer. But I think um, in the beginning, it was very much, you know, like learning how to write a scope of work, like learning how to, um, you know, how do we bill? All those kinds of questions um, were definitely really, really, really tricky in the early days. And how did we get past them? I think just by trial and error. A lot of times you just have to to try and do and make the mistakes. I think about when we started, like, oh, I wish I had known this or, oh, I wish I had known that <laughs> when we started. But you can't, you know, now the next I'm time fine. when we start something else, we will know that yeah. um, and we will adjust. But yeah. So, so, so far in the business, what has been an interesting or what has been a, what part do you think is more active? So consulting for global companies trying to break into Africa or consulting for African countries trying to rebrand and get a global audience? Which part do you see as more challenging? So I think that, well, they all have their, their challenges. Most of, I would yeah. say a lot of our clients on the African continent have been connected to some type of public figure or leader. So, um, like we've worked with former presidents who want to, you know, raise money for their foundations, elevate their global profile, um, yeah. you know, that type of work. And what's tricky about that is um, all often they're not like it's assumed, for example, we've worked with former presidents and it's assumed that if you are a president, you're wealthy and you have money. So it's mm. like the struggle of like, okay, so you want this person <laughs> to speak at this event, they charge a fee and people not understanding why they yeah. deserve a fee for their time. Whereas like these people are just humans and they have their own foundations yeah. and they're raising funds for that. And that's why. So I think on that front, um, that's where we've, we've interacted a lot is just kind of being, you know, in a way like an advocate or a, or, or a, 
kind of a buffer for some of these um, leaders from the continent. And then on the global side of things, um, it's really been, um, you know, companies or nonprofits who, you know, they have an event that they want to host in Senegal and they need some support and they need to get the word out locally. So we'll come in and help them. Um, they need a strategic plan. They need to understand how they're positioned in the overall, you know, landscape. So we kind of help with that. Um, and for, for, the, for the work that we do that is very market specific, we always hire someone um, or some company or some vendor from the country yeah. that we work in. Um, so for example, right now we have a few projects in Kenya and our chief growth officer is uh, Kenyan. So she's on the, all of those projects and we've also hired her company because um, she has not, we're all very entrepreneurial at Baobab. So she also <laughs> has her own uh, branding and marketing company called BDDL. And we have now uh, hired her to, and her company to help take on some of that really market specific work. Um, because we don't, we can, like, I can't, I mean, I can't speak on behalf of Kenyans. You know, I can't speak on behalf of Nigerians. Um, I can just, I just know who, who I trust, <laughs> who, yeah, exactly. who work well. So, yeah. So, Lisa, I'm just, I'm just thinking, because you work as a consultant and I know you've probably worked with a wide range of companies and startups. So looking more on the, on the, African, on the African companies that you work with, it's your experience as a consultant and, and what you've seen on the continent. What sector do you think will play the biggest role in the revolution of Africa. So we're talking about Africa 20, 30 years from now, being a massive continent with, a, with, with revenues on a different level and GDP on a different level. What, what sector do you think plays the biggest role in that development? Creative industry. I mean, just like mm. look at, look at uh, WizKid. You know, like look at Burnaboy, like look at Nollywood, um, you know, and those are Nigeria specific examples, but we are seeing so much more investment in the creative industry. It's exporting, um, yeah. you know, obviously we can talk about, you know, infrastructure and we can talk about construction and yes, like, but but from, from where I sit, um, and I guess even my own interests and our company's interests, like we love the creative industry. We are creatives uh, as, as, a, as a company. Um, so yeah, I, I think that there's so much opportunity in the creative industry right now, and there will only be more. That's true, that's true. I found that very interesting how uh, over, the, over the past few years, they have been an active force. I mean, the creatives have been an active force in um, shaping the conversation about our public relation and how Africa is portrayed globally. Yeah. Um, they've probably done a better job at, at that than maybe other other industry leaders, maybe business leaders and maybe political leaders as well. And I don't know why, maybe it's easier to be a cultural shaper if you are in a creative space. But I've seen some, not as many, but in other countries where political leaders and business leaders also help in shaping the culture or how, how that company is perceived. What do you think about that? I mean, I think that, you know, it's the same anywhere. Like 
creatives and celebrities and people who are, you know, who get people's attention, they're going yeah. to shape, you know, they're going to shape what people think and what people do. Um, and it's just how the power is wielded. Um, that That is like, that will make the impact. And, you know, from, from where I sit, you know, a lot of Africa's celebrities, like I just recently met um, Dikembe Mutombo, who is, yes. um, he was an, you know, an NBA player and like the work that he's yes. doing in Congo, like he's giving back, he's using his platform and his like international fame to go back and do great work. Same with Angelique Kijo from the Batonga Foundation, who's, who's a Grammy award-winning singer from Benin. Um, yeah. She's also been working with Burna Boy and like mentoring him, you know, these, the, the creatives have a platform. I think the space that, the space that we want to come and enter is like helping to make it, you know, creatives are often not business people and business people are often not creatives. Like, again, there needs to be that kind of fusion in order to make the, the widespread success. So that's, that's a very good point you raised as far as how the creators have a platform. And while you were saying that, I was just thinking of maybe that's something that, that other sectors can can leverage as well. Okay, how do we create a platform for other, um, for other folks who are trying to break into that space? So I'm, I know, I know with the recent like with the recent development of like innovation hubs and and things like that. Then that, that's we're gradually seeing some kind of platform being built for the new entrants and those who are trying to break into that space within Africa. So hopefully, in the next couple of years, we, we can see other sectors really grow into that, into that shape. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well, and all businesses need creatives at this point because everything is done now via like social media and like TikTok and, you know, Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's like all businesses need these creatives um, as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. But just to tone it down a little bit, just tell us what what do you like most about your job? And I mean, as as a co-founder, CEO, what's a typical day like for you? Interesting. You know, I don't really have a typical day, but um, I think my favorite part of of the work that I do is knowing that by creating this company and maintaining it and building it, um, I have been able to provide opportunity for so many people that I care about. Um, you know, whether it's through, you know, the projects that we do, whether it's through the team that we've built, like one, my favorite part, everybody's favorite part, everybody who works at Baobab says their favorite part of the company is the team is, is us. Um, you know, I have people who have, you know, been like meeting up in the world, um, in different parts of, you know, different parts of, you know, literally the world, um, who are able to make connections with their colleagues, even though we're all remote. Um, I love, I, I do have, um, currently sitting in in my co-working space in Brooklyn right now and I do have one member of my team Tony who's also based in Brooklyn so he comes and he works with me um, and we just you know co-work together from time to time so those are the things that I really love like I love you know the team meetings like whenever we get um, we have an all hands call once a quarter love that like seeing people from all around the world who share the same values, mission, vision, you know, that, that, that we have um, is truly my favorite part of this work. 
I like that. I like that perspective. And um, I like the fact that your teammates see that as well. And they value that. And they ascribe value as to why they remain there. Um, yeah. My next question is more on, on reflecting. Uh, many, many people who've moved back to Africa or moved anywhere have done something very, um, very noteworthy. Always have an interesting perspective when they look back, like say, okay, I probably wouldn't have done that that same way. I probably wouldn't have done it this way. When you think back about your move um, to, to Senegal, do you have any regrets on your approach? And when you see maybe your friends or people, your colleagues who consider Africa um, for any opportunity, what do you see as the main hindrance when they are considering where you didn't think about that? You probably went when you were much younger, right? So you probably didn't put too much into account as far as risk factors. But what do you see as the main hindrance when other people are considering that move? Um, oh God, when I moved to Senegal, I was the happiest. <laughs> I was like, there was like, no, there was like no regret. I was just like, get me on a plane now. Um, yeah. You know, like you can always look at the choices that you make and look at the grass is always greener on the other side. Um, I think that, I mean, the teaching job was one of my favorite jobs. Like every single day you have a result, like a clear, like when, when your student understands something, you know, you just see that result every day, which is amazing. Um, honestly, I really, I don't have any regrets about, about moving to Senegal, about staying there for so long. I love it there. And I think that, I mean, in Senegal in particular, I think there's just so much potential um, you know, um, for, for growth. And I love being a part of that growth. Um, and, you know, I've also been to, you know, been to Nigeria many times. I've been to other countries across the continent. Um, and if I hadn't taken that initial job and that initial leap, I wouldn't have had access to that. Um, so, so yeah, I also think that, um, on the side of, I don't regret, like, I don't regret, um, moving to Senegal and living in Africa and not just like going because I had some, you know, state department job or like some company that sent me out there to live like a cushy lifestyle in Africa. Like I lived in Dakar, you know, I, I was dealing with a lot of the things myself, you know, it was, and, and even the second time when I moved back, like, you know, I wasn't there with, with an organization sponsoring me. I did it by myself. So I think having that experience and having that understanding of life has helped me a lot in my, you know, in my job and in, in my work now um, in a way that, you know, just, you know, you see a lot of people, Americans who are working in the space who, you know, they've maybe studied Africa or maybe they've gone for a little bit, but I'm really glad that I, you know, I settled there, um, you know, and lived there because I think it gives me a really important perspective. Thanks, Liz, for that uh, detailed explanation of, of your move to Africa and, and just advice to those looking to make that move as well. Um, I know we have about seven and a half minutes left, so we probably have time for two more questions. Um, so I, I guess I'll just go ahead and cue in the, the next one. Um, so I, I read an article in your site, and I can't, I can't 
remember the title of the article, but it, it talked about how um, COVID and the pandemic is going to reshape um, the future of the of, of the startup ecosystem in Africa. And I think he also mentioned something along the lines of there might even be more startups being launched on the African continent post COVID. Um, what's what's your take on that? And and as a consulting company, how are you gearing up for that demand or that kind of growth? Yeah. So one thing that COVID, well, so for us, you know, like, as I mentioned, we're a remote first company. So it wasn't like our, our operations had to change. Like we didn't have to train anybody on how to work remotely. Like we had all of that, but what we didn't have was the in-person touch points that we were used to having. So like our company would thrive on, you know, we have an event once a quarter that we bring everyone together or we bring at least parts of the team together and, and see each other in person. So I think that, you know, that, that didn't happen. Um, it's slowly starting to happen again. Um, but what we saw is that, you know, a lot of stuff got done without the travel, you know, and that's not just in our own company, but like, you know, the United Nations and corporations who could no longer just go travel to like survey and like train their staff in Africa. They had to trust, you know, they had to, you know, they had to, they were forced to. And so, and, you know, things remained afloat and Africans who were working on these projects took care of it. You know, the world didn't crumble because we couldn't all travel. And so I think that um, that's um, only gonna keep, you know, only gonna keep getting better. Um, you know, yes, it's good to to travel and yes, it's good to see people, but there's definitely going to be more trust in mm -hmm. African talent. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, there's definitely been more of a push um, in the discourse about funding African-led startups. Um, you know, a lot of the funding has gone typically to, you know, white and male <laughs> founders, um, even in Africa. So yeah, I think yeah. that's going to be the trend, like more investors are looking actively to invest in African owned startups. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, th thank you for that. Actually, before we get the last question, if you could just quickly spend a minute just to just give an advice to those in a diaspora who have doubts or concerns about investing in Africa, because I mean, we, we, we know Africa is, I mean, it's going to be a, there's going to be a boom in the African continent in the next 20, 30 years. But there's some of those who are still kind of skeptical or have concerns about that. What's your advice to them? Because you're already in that space. You're doing the work already. I mean, I think first travel to the continent as soon as you can. I think that, I mean, I had a friend who came to visit me in Senegal once, uh, many friends over the years who came to visit me in Senegal. And the one who I think had the biggest culture shock was one from the diaspora who hadn't been back in 15 years. Okay. So there's like an image that is often ingrained in this is what Africa is, or you've been, you've heard about it from your you know parents or grandparents and you have to go experience it yourself like as an adult, you know, like with, with a renewed sense 
of of purpose with your new skills mm -hmm. um and with you know your new global viewpoint right so i would say like traveling there is is number one and i also think just like building relationships you know everything is everything in this business is relationship based yep. everything if you don't have relationships you're not going to get things done. So I think like by going and starting to even like calling up old friends and checking mm -hmm. in with them or calling up cousins and cousins of cousins, you know, and just like trying to understand who's out there doing the work mm -hmm. that will help to make you feel like, you know, you have the partners on, on the ground who can help you with your vision. Exactly. Um, yeah, that exactly. those would be my, my advice is awesome awesome thank you for yes. that thank you for that but also um so i'm thinking of jumping right to our main question um and if you have any questions after that we can definitely shoot um so every, in everyone in our, our podcast we ask them this question just to get a feel of what they're thinking about um the sector that they like and how deeply passionate about africa they are and the question goes like this. If you could only make one financial investment, so no other stock, no other real estate portfolio, nothing else in your portfolio, if you only make one financial investment in, and it had to be in an African company, either an existing African company or an African startup, which company would that be? And it can be Baba. Wow. It can be Baba Consulting. <laughs> yeah, it can, it can wow. Be um... That is a tricky question because um, it depends on like for what purpose. Mm. Like, what am mm. I invest? Why am I investing? Yeah. Um, am I investing yeah. to make a ton of money? Am I investing to make a ton of impact? Mm. Am I investing because I like something? <laughs> mm. So um, I think maybe I can answer it in that way. If I'm going to invest it to make a ton of money, um i would probably invest in a fintech startup that is like a pan-african works in every country comp yeah. uh, platform uh okay. because that is a struggle that we have is like making payments on one platform um and like having all the taxes and regulations handled and not getting money blocked places so i to make money i would invest in that um sorry i sorry, sorry we have a minute left so i just want to make sure Oh, okay. So that's fine. No, I, mean, I, like, I would invest can, in that. But you, you could quickly just run through the social impact one. That's fine. Yeah. And if I'm going to invest in a more like socially minded company, I would invest. Well, I'm not going to No, I have an idea and it'll, and, and I'll tell you when it's, when it's launched. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wow, <man. laughs> so I'll leave you on a cliffhanger now. You'll what have to a, interview me again soon. What a way to, what, what a way to <laughs> Looking forward to it. And just, <laughs> I, we, we, we will definitely take you up on that offer once and and i know we're gonna keep in touch we i mean we, we, we already knew each other before this call um and there's a high chance we'll be working together in the future as well so we'll i mean we'll, we'll definitely get you back on the show once we know what this idea is all about yeah okay <laughs> but yeah all right i'll gotta say gotta save time. that one for next time yeah <laughs> absolutely but yeah thank you very much Liz, for joining us today it's been a great honor to have you on the show and i thank know you. i really love this conversation as well thank you very much thank you so much